happy Christmas everyone. Good to see everyone this morning and I hope you all had a lovely day yesterday. When I was uh, preparing this short talk at the beginning of the week, I, I really had no idea <laughs> what we might be doing um, today um, with all the um, possibility of new restrictions being um, imposed uh, and therefore how we might be feeling um, as a, a result of being constantly bombarded with the latest bad news uh, that we seem to be getting in the news uh, reports almost every day. So I'm glad that there is at least, um, as a result of the latest data, what the news reports are calling um, a glimmer of hope. Um, so it's good that we have that and it's good that we've been able to come together this morning and that I'm not having to share my little message with you on Zoom. Um, as great as that technology might be, it's great to do it face to face, isn't it? I think that despite my career in risk management up to a few years ago, uh, when every day I would see how things can so easily go badly wrong, I would describe myself as cautiously optimistic, normally. Um, but it can be hard to remain optimistic when um, things keep going wrong and it often begs the question, is there anything that we can really rely on? And that's what I want to talk about today or remind us of because uh, we all know it very well. Um, but I want to talk about that thing which is so closely associated with optimism and that is the subject of hope. I want to read you, first of all, just one verse um, from the Bible, um, one of the well-known verses that we often hear as part of the Christmas narrative, and that's Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. It says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now Matthew, of course, is quoting one of the great messianic prophecies of the prophet Isaiah, a prophecy which so clearly speaks of the Lord Jesus coming into the world. John doesn't um, quote Isaiah directly, the Apostle John, but I guess he also had that prophecy in mind when he wrote in John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and then in verse 9 he writes the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world you know lights often seem to shine more brightly when they're against a background of darkness don't they um, like stars in the sky when there isn't too much light pollution or headlights on a on, on a country road or even those tiny little LED Christmas lights that you might have on your tree if you've got a Christmas tree, they just shine so much brightly when all the other lights in the room um, are turned off. In a metaphorical sense, when the Lord Jesus came into this world, he came into a world of darkness, and therefore his light just shines so brightly. But it was, a, it was a world of darkness then 
just like it is today. And we can't ignore that darkness, even at Christmas time, as much as we might like to, because, well, firstly, that's the reality. And also, if we ignore that reality, I think it undermines a little bit the reasons why we can be joyful. In other words, it's only by considering the darkness that we can see the Christmas gospel in all its brightness. Now, I'm going to try and get through the next little bit quite quickly um, because it is really only the background to the key thing I'd like us to go away with. Um, but we know, don't we, that the symptoms of this darkness are all around us. We see it um, every day uh, in the news reports that we see either on the TV or that we read on our smart smartphones or if we... Um, possibly do that old-fashioned thing of buying a newspaper. We, we, we see it all the time, um, don't we? There is no end to the bad news, which are the symptoms of darkness in this world. We see it in criminality, violence, abuse, fraud, those who prey on the vulnerable, various forms of discrimination and intolerance and so on. We see it in, in natural disasters, symptoms of a fallen and cursed world. Um, forest fires, floods, tornadoes, other things linked to climate change, all stuff that has been in the news very recently. We see it in politics, corruption, hypocrisy, failings in leadership, um, disputes between nations, threats of military conflict, and, and uh, all other stuff that has been, as I say, in the news only recently. We see it in the economy. Recession, rising prices, empty shelves in supermarkets, queues at petrol stations, panic buying. And of course, so many businesses um, anxious about collapse, failure in the new year. And so many people not knowing whether they're going to have a job in 2022. A lot of it linked to the lockdown restrictions. And that brings me to health. Uh, ambulances queuing outside hospitals, routine healthcare cancelled, uh, doctors and nurses near the point of, 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 of breakdown. And for those who don't need to go to hospital, uh, more and more people struggling with their physical and mental health at home and vulnerable people not able to get the, the social care that they need and so on and so on. You know, many of these things aren't new, but they've certainly been exacerbated massively as a result of the pandemic. And I guess we all hoped um, and thought that it might all be over by now and then we got the, the news about Omicron. You know, a word that I've heard a few times over the last two years, although it was more near the beginning of the pandemic, was the word unprecedented. But is, is this darkness really unprecedented? Well, sure. We might have a particularly unique mix of things going on at the moment, but there has always been very bad things going on in the world. I, I came across an article from the New York Times that, says, uh, that said that in 3,400 years of human history, there has only been universal peace for 268 of them. I haven't checked that out exactly, it seems quite a precise number, but the article was quite convincing. There was darkness in Israel when Isaiah wrote his prophecy that we've quoted from. 
and there was darkness in Israel when it came to pass, when the Lord Jesus came into this world. The great nation of Israel, God's chosen people that had been so, had known such great and glorious times in their history, living and suffering under Roman occupation. And they had no hope. Now you might say to me, but they did have hope, surely. They had Isaiah's prophecy and many other prophecies um, like it, that, that promised a saviour, that promised redemption. Uh, the verse I read earlier, later on in that same chapter, Isaiah writes again words, verses that we know very well this time of year. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accompany this, accomplish this. They had amazing promises like that. But again I say, I don't think they had hope. Not for most of them. There are exceptions that we, that we read about, the likes of Simeon and Anna, but for the most of them, they had lost hope. And the Lord Jesus described them as lost and harassed and helpless. I guess there are many people in the world today that feel the same. Even people who believe in God, who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour, as their saviour, may be feeling lost and harassed and helpless because they've lost sight of the light. You know, the thing with hope and the reason why we can lose it is that it's just a feeling. It's a feeling based on the expectation that something good is going to happen. Now, it might be based on something real, but if we lose sight of the reality, then the hope can fade with it. Because it's hard to keep hope alive when we can't see the light in the darkness. For the Christian, we have every reason to be hopeful, don't we? Even when bad things happen, we have a perspective which is based on the knowledge of what God has already done for us and what he's promised for us for the future. And the assurance in God's word and the evidence in God's word that our God does not lie. We know what the birth of Christ actually means, don't we? We know it's not just a scene on a Christmas card, which is um, so often said, but that's true, isn't it? And yet in that scene in the Christmas card, we're reminded, especially at this time of year, of a God that so loved the world that he gave the greatest Christmas gift that has ever been given, that he gave his one and only son. We are reminded of the God who so much wants to connect with us and have a relationship with us that he sent his son into this world to live among us. He shared in human experience. He suffered alongside us. He was, as the prophet Isaiah also said, the one who became the man of sorrows and familiar 
with suffering. It reminds us that that little baby was born to die, but that in his death and his resurrection, God would provide for us the means to be saved, to be saved from the darkness forever, and to enter into a hope which is wider and deeper and more sure than anything else that we might have in this world. You know, the word hope appears in the New Testament more than 70 times in relation to the promises of God and what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Examples, Colossians 1 verse 5, the hope stored up for us in heaven. Titus 1 verse 2, the hope of eternal life. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 8, the hope which inspires endurance. We've needed needed a fair amount of that over the last two years, haven't we? 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13, the hope which helps us cope with bereavement. And there are friends who are needing that hope and help at this time. Romans 8 verse 24, the hope in which we are saved. Something which has happened to us already and yet it promises there is more to come. And it says that we must wait for that patiently. Romans 12 verse 12, the hope which gives joy. And that's what we want, isn't it? Not just at Christmas, but all all year round. Now, whether we're hopeful or not about these things, and by that I mean whether or not we have a a lot of confidence um, in them, doesn't make them any less real, more or less real. God's plans for us will come to fruition um, regardless of whether we have a strong faith in them. Our faith, God isn't dependent on our faith to make things happen. What God plans for each of us um, is going to happen whether we expect it and have confidence in it or not. But if we lose hope in these things, we can become like the two on the road to Emmaus. Um, They had lost hope because the Lord Jesus had been crucified and they didn't understand that that terrible thing was all part of God's plan. Luke 24 says that they had hoped that Jesus was going to save Israel, but now they were sad and they were downcast. Now the latest COVID situation or other things going on in in your life and in the lives of your friends and families might be making you feel sad or downcast at this time. But you know, even if you're feeling upbeat just at the moment, we never know what other challenges might might lie in store in the future, do we? So it's important that we don't lose that feeling of hope. We need to keep hold of that eternal perspective. And as Hebrews 6 teaches us, we know our hope isn't just wishful thinking, is it? It's real. It's an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. So let me finish by just reading a couple more verses um, from Romans 15, these are from. Firstly, verse 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures 
and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So if we want the encouragement that keeps us hopeful and helps us to endure through difficult times, we need to know what was written in the past. We need to know what God has given us in his word. We need to know what he has promised for us and assured us of. But we also need God's help. And so I'm going to leave you with Paul's prayer in verse 13 of that chapter. And this is my closing um, benediction, if you like, as it was for Paul. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's have a closing prayer.